1: Shai and I will be talking with Kevin Rogers, a former veteran stand up comedian, and today the head of Copy Chief, an industry leader in helping clients around the world define marketing and ad copy that compels prospects to take action. Kevin spent years traveling the U.S. as a dead broke stand up comedian until he discovered how a simple formula for creating jokes could be used as a powerful marketing hook and began teaching it to marketeers. The formula works so well that entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world have now used this deceptively simple four-sentence formula to skyrocket their profits and grow their businesses at record pace. Good morning, Kevin. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. It's
2: great to be here, man. Thanks for
1: having me. Hey, Kevin, I know you had a professional career as a stand-up comedian. Tell us about that world and what happened that brought you to your present world that we're going to be talking about today.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty wild tale. I was a little rudderless there in my late teens. I dropped out of high school. I was detailing cars and very sweaty here in Florida. (laughs) Very hot work. And the one thing I knew I, I really enjoyed was making people laugh. And I was a bit of a student of comedy. This is the mid to late 80s, Craig. And I don't know if you remember, but stand up comedy was having a boom back then. HBO was releasing these great specials, these Rodney Dangerfield specials with all these comics were debuting for the first time. Jerry Seinfeld and Sam Kinison and uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was, yeah, putting out those movies then and Howie Mandel and so it was huge focus for me and all my friends. And I would study these comics over and over and over and over. And so I was the guy at the party who could do the bits, right? I started getting these requests, Kevin, do the do that do that Kinison thing or do that Seinfeld bit. And so I really enjoyed that attention. (laughs) And I also noticed that I had a bit of a knack for understanding why the jokes worked. Or if I did something different, I would notice why it didn't work. Right. So I really enjoyed the external reward for it. But I was also enjoying the internal process of understanding humor. And so it, it was pretty natural process for me to end up on a stage and then making a career out of it.
1: So there's actually a sequence involved as far as a framework for different types of comedies?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when I started doing stand-up on my own, I I was doing original material. But back when I was just mimicking other comics or doing other comics material, it was interesting because, you know, you learn little things that seem obvious now, but, like, you you couldn't follow a Sam Kinison bit with a Jerry Seinfeld (laughs) bit, you know? It's totally different voices, totally different energy. And so I would kind of observe why certain things worked or even just my own timing was off. On something, or and it's funny now because my son is 12 and I see him doing the same thing, you know, like he is funny and he wants to be seen as a comedian but he's not really a clown you know like he's sort of serious about the process and so he'll watch an episode of like family guy or something to show you what a what a good parent i am uh (laughs) (laughs) and then he'll call me in the room to break down why something's funny with me right he'll go dad dad watch this bit and we'll laugh at it and then we'll spend 10 minutes discussing why that was so funny It's pretty cool. I I realize now that not everybody walks around doing that all the time, (laughs) but it felt natural to me back then, you know.
1: It sounds like a lot of skills that could be cross-applicable in a lot of different areas. Yeah, no doubt about
2: it. You know, what I didn't know, obviously, was that that career would end at some point and I'd have this second life where all that experience as a stand-up and internalizing all these processes of what made people react would come in super handy in the world of uh, persuasive copywriting.
3: So tell us about the transition of how you went to student of comedy, stand-up performer, and then what was the opportunity that led you into the business world as a copywriter? Well, the opportunity
2: was more of a decision on my part to make a change. You know, I was very young when I started comedy and I had no natural business sense. And I really felt like it was the crime of the century for me to get paid to tell jokes, even if that meant driving six or seven hours to make 250 bucks. <laughs> I thought, Hey, if I get enough gas to get to the next town, I'm getting away with something here, you know? And, uh, yeah,
3: that's, that's the tragedy of artists. They don't really calculate <laughs> costs the way that business people do. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: right, Exactly. They, they live for the moment. They live for the, yeah, the, the, the only re- reward worth measuring is, is how people react to your art. Right. Awesome. Uh, yeah. But the one little bit of sense I had shy was that I thought, all right, you know, I'm working with a lot of these road dog comics who have been at it for 20 years plus, you know, they're getting up in age and they're pretty bitter, And they're also brilliant, like they're hilarious. And I'm thinking, man, like, what is the difference between this guy who is just murdering this comedy club in Charlotte, North Carolina this weekend, and another guy who I don't think is nearly as funny, who just got a sitcom, you know? And I realized that show business is kind of a lottery. And it has a lot to do with networking and stuff that I just didn't feel was going my way as a comic. Like I just didn't get along with the people on the business side. And I had had real issues with authority, you know? (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Maybe you can relate. And so I kind of made a vow to myself. I said, man, I'll give myself to 30. And if something isn't clicking, and again, I had... No idea that I could actually control my fate or my business at this point. I just thought the comedy gods will wave their magic wand on me or they won't. And if I'm not getting some signs by the age of 30 that this is going to go well, I need to find something else. And so that's what I did. You know, I went out to California and tried writing TV and kind of got close to that again and and realized, man, I don't dig this world at all. And so long story short, I was working for an old comic friend of mine who had started a marketing business. And a guy I met there introduced me to copywriting because he knew I loved to write. And once I discovered guys like John Carlton and Gary Halbert and Gary Bencevenga, it was all over for me. I I got tingles and I thought, this is it. This is exactly what I should be doing with my life. And that's when I realized it was time to figure out business and creative and find the happy medium there.
1: And that transition, what were some of the aha moments that led you to believe that business really needs help in this area?
2: Uh, Well, you know, there was clearly a big demand for it. I didn't understand the full spectrum of marketing when I started. I just knew that I loved this craft and wanted to get good at it and would be great to get paid for it. But I quickly learned and just rings true every day since then that copy is really the X factor in every bit of marketing you do. It's interesting that all these new programs come out and all these new methods of growing a business online, like Ryan Levesque has his ask method, which I'm a huge fan of. Stu McLaren just launched his membership platform called Tribe. And the thing that doesn't often exist in those programs is how to persuade people to actually take action on what you're offering. And it's great for me because I get to show up and go, hey, what about the copy? And everybody goes, Oh yeah, right. The copy. And I go, I can help. (laughs) And it works out great for everybody because I'm blessed to have relationships with a lot of the top copywriters in the world. And I learn from them all the time, but my mission is not to develop a couple more legendary copywriters in the world. My mission is to help as many business owners as I can end the frustration and confusion around writing copy that helps sell their products.
3: That's such an important difference, too, Kevin, because one way to approach this as a business owner is oh, man, I got to get better at writing copy. And (laughs) yeah, that's a heady thing to take on, right? It's like, where where do you even begin that? Right. And that's how we end up here because everybody's just grabbing the resources they have or just approaching it head on thinking, well, I know my business. I can describe it just great. Those are just completely different skill sets.
2: Yeah, that's a great point.
3: And you know what? That's 100% true. I believe that every
2: business owner should be their own best copywriter, but that does not mean that they should be writing their own copy. It doesn't take a whole lot to understand what needs to be said in your copy and in your messaging, but Oftentimes, you're just not the best person to write it, (laughs) oddly enough. You just may not be very good at writing. You may not enjoy the process at all. And if you bring a bunch of baggage to it, it's better to just step out of the way. But the one prerequisite... For every business owner is at least understanding the difference between good copy and bad copy so that they can recognize it and they don't pay somebody to write bad copy for them. And that they do the proper amount of research in sort of internalizing about what their messaging should include and how they should uniquely represent themselves to the marketplace so that they can stand out and be remembered.
1: I was trying to think of some examples maybe of bad copy, and the thing that jumped right out right away was the local used car salesperson's commercial ad on TV. It just sounds like something they wrote two seconds before they started talking. Any, mm-hmm. Anything come to mind, Kevin, about less than desirable copy?
2: Well, it's actually funny you mentioned local car dealers because there's commercials running here. And I have to write a, a blog post about this or something because it's really unique. And what's funny about it, they're doing exactly what you just described as the bad version, Craig. But it works so well because this guy who's in the commercials is so compelling he's breaking every rule and that makes you listen for instance the guy wait, shows up wait and- a second
3: i'm sorry kevin i don't want to steal the punchline. i just think i know who you're talking about oh is it the v- fusilla fusilla, fusilla- automol yeah, no. yeah 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 Fus- it's huge the guy always says it's, it's got- huge. huge that's, that's the, the guy, guy. It's- i went to school down there so i know that oh really
2: yeah <laughs> and i tell you what's funny is most car commercials are like they're just trying to cram in as much information as possible and get you excited, right? It's like you know, uh, all 2017s are on sale now, da, 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 and there's all these things. It's just it's like it hurts to listen to, right? But this guy comes on and he sounds like he's got a mouthful of salami sandwich, and he has absolutely no idea what he wants to say in this commercial. He just starts talking. Carolyn, we were here till 11:30 last night. Let me tell you, people are loving these Hyundai's. You know, we're getting a about all kinds of deals and who was that guy who had a boat some guy had a boat and you know, it's just like you go like this guy's paying for a minute of airtime, and he's just like <laughs> rambling about whatever but i stop what i'm doing and turn up the radio every time it comes on because I'm, I'm like what's this guy gonna say this time you know and so there's a fascinating lesson in there in that sometimes doing the thing that people don't expect is the best way to get attention. He is the only car dealer that I pay attention to. And I have no idea if he's a total scam artist or if he's really giving great deals, but I know which dealership he represents. And I know pretty much whatever sale they have going on at any given time because the guy's so compelling to listen to. So to answer your question in a, in a long, weird uh, example, Craig, the worst marketing is ignorable. If you do the thing that people are expecting, then they're just going to tune out immediately. So a good example of bad copy, for instance, is let's just look at something really granular, like the subject line of an email. Okay, I'll give you an example. We'll stick with car dealers. I lease a Ford and every month Ford tries to market to me with the subject line that says the Ford monthly newsletter is here. I couldn't be less interested about anything than reading Ford's newsletter. You know, it's just like my car is fine. I'm happy with it. But I do not want to pretend I'm reading a newsletter and see uh, an ad for all your new trucks or something. Yeah, and it's and, about them. It's not about totally you. It's like, about, hey, yeah. Here's our newsletter. Exactly right. It's like, we, we spent time on this, so we feel obligated to send it to you.
3: Clearly, but, clearly, you drive a Ford. You must want to get more involved this, with us. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> we they, want to take our relationship to the next level. <laughs> yeah, they've never once
2: asked me, hey, How's that Ford treating you? Or would you consider getting a Ford again when your lease is up? Or, you know, things like Brian Levesque teaches, just ask, ask people, what's your experience like? What are your desires? And start to customize some communication based on that. So that's the simple answer is the worst kind of copy is predictable and me centric, not you
1: centric. So when we're going towards a business environment and looking at what really needs to start working for the business owner, how should they be looking at copy?
2: Well, I think that however they can personalize it and make it unique to them. You want to be remember. I always say this. People, when they think of sales copy, they're so focused on that word sales that they're thinking the job of this piece of communication is to get somebody to give me money. But... Here's an important phrase to remember. The best thing somebody can pay you up front is not money, it's attention. As we know, this is an amazingly limited resource in our society right now. The human attention span has been clocked at eight seconds, which is one (laughs) second lower than a goldfish literally. And so if you're going to show up in somebody's email inbox, or if you're going to put up a Facebook ad and interrupt their newsfeed, you better reward them for giving you their attention. That is the most important thing that your copy can do is just reward somebody for their attention. Then they'll give you more attention. Then you can build trust in a relationship and then you can make them an offer and they're much more likely to take you up on it and become long-term customers.
3: Kevin, I know that you have developed a formula that I think you usually use back from understanding how humor works and really work this into a piece for copywriting as a framework. Tell us a little bit how that works. Sure. Yeah. It's based on a joke formula that I used in my standup days
2: that I call the persona joke formula. And I just changed the last part of it to create a sales hook that any business owner can use. And what's great about it is you can deliver it in less than a minute. And it's a great way to reward somebody for giving you their attention because it tells them a story and it helps them understand why you are uniquely qualified to help them solve a very specific problem, which is about the best result we could get for a minute of somebody's time. So the persona joke formula goes like this. It's identity, struggle, discovery, surprise. And obviously that surprise is the key part because that's why we laughed, the thing that we didn't see coming. And this is a joke formula that you'll see used all kinds of places, not only in jokes, but I see this in commercials all the time from major brands. But I'll give you an example of how a comedian uses it. And you'll see this a lot when comics are doing their first national television spot, because it's really important to establish your persona quickly. So one of my favorite is a comedian named Karen Rontowski. And the first time she was on Late Night with David Letterman, this was her opening joke. She said, my kids were so bad in Walmart today that I pulled the fly swatter off the shelf and I smacked them with it. And as soon as the fly swatter hit their ass, I realized I don't have kids.
1: <laughs> right? So I used that one the other day after reading your book, and yeah. it's like, oh god, it's so good. <laughs>
2: it's so funny, right? And. What I love about that is think of how much we just learned about Karen in that like 20 seconds, you know, we know that she's not a mother and that we share this common annoyance of crazy kids in Walmart. And she established a lot about herself very quickly. And so now we trust her. That's the most important thing. She got the laugh and now we trust her and we understand her point of view. So how we change this up to use it ourselves as marketers is obviously we don't want to have to be too clever and have a surprise twist at the end. So what people want from us is not to be surprised as much as they want to be believe that they can get similar results. So we changed that last part to result. It's identity, struggle, discovery, result. And so, an example, this is one I might use for myself to promote this exact thing. So, I'd say, I'm Kevin Rogers. I spent years as a dead broke stand up comedian until I discovered how a simple joke formula can be used as an irresistible sales hook and began teaching marketers how to use it to skyrocket sales and grow their businesses. Now, I'm one of the most in demand sales consultants online, earning more in one month than I once did in an entire year. And if you'd like to discover how you can use the same exact joke formula to increase your sales, simply enter your email on this page and I'll send you my special report called the 60 second sales. Report. And so it's the same exact formula, but totally different story. And it's really effective.
3: Yeah, I love the way that flows. I mean, I'm I'm signing up right now. It's like <laughs> before you even got to the end, I'm like, I got to go get this thing. <laughs> I wonder if too, like you ever find yourself in this because you're such a natural comedian where you're giving your business pitch but then you just can't stop a put that surprise in instead of the result.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I I do. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's a little bit dangerous when somebody invites me to speak at their marketing conference.
3: Oh, yeah. Like I could see you at a conference or showing up at a chamber gig. It just. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's dangerous because I I forget like, uh, you know,
2: 10 years. So when my feet hit a stage, all those instincts come back. And if somebody heckles or there's a ruckus in the crowd, I'm going in to find out what what it is. Right. (laughs) And and because as a comic, you learn that you have to control the room and it's a much more loose and sort of forgiving environment in a conference, but I can't turn off those instincts. So one recently last year, a guy was opening a piece of candy really loudly. And next thing I know, it was like an out-of-body experience. I find myself torching this guy for making so much noise with his candy yeah. wrapper. And uh, luckily, the crowd laughed, and we had fun with it. But I was like, oh, man, I got to remember that people didn't come here expecting jokes. <laughs> 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 this could be dangerous. I, I had another one where in the middle of my presentation, I always want to say set like a comic, a guy and a girl were in the front row, and they came in halfway through my presentation. And, and so the oh, whole no. thing notices them walking down the aisle together and i just stopped and i looked at him and i said how was it <laughs>
3: Oh man! please tell me you were at like the convention for conservative america or something like that like <laughs> i wish it was that
2: extreme yeah but i'll
3: tell you i
2: found out later two things the couple actually was together and the woman was really upset and luckily, the gentleman was able to kind of talk her down because she was ready to confront me and complain and do all these things. And I thought, man, I got to chill out with that stuff.
3: It's like <laughs> it's like comedic Tourette's or something, right? Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. Just can't it's it's help but punchline or exactly <laughs> what it is. I, I have no control over it whatsoever. I should put a
2: disclaimer in anybody who wants me to speak at their event. Like, just so you know what you're getting into. I'm not responsible. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it's yes, not there, refundable. There may be. <laughs> that's
2: right. I'm not refundable but you may be giving refunds to people in the
1: <laughs> Kevin, in the industry right now, video seems to be getting a lot of attention. How does video play into it or not?
2: Oh, man, video is everything, really. There's talk of Facebook someday from them possibly being a video-only platform someday, which seems crazy to me, but that's how in love with video they are. If you look at Facebook Live alone, it has revolutionized how Facebook works they give so much more credence to video than anything right now. And just everything, I mean, you you know, we're talking about bonding and wanting to be remembered and have an emotional impact. You know, sales hasn't changed. People buy an emotion and then they justify it with logic. Uh, That is the goal of any piece of sales copy. And nothing makes an emotional connection more strongly, more powerfully than video. The best use of a 60-second sales hook, that formula I just gave you, is to look into a camera and deliver that formula on a landing page, you'd invite somebody to get more information from you. It's incredibly powerful. It works in text, but in video, it's five times as powerful.
1: So in this process of building this sales copy, what are areas that really need to perform well and cannot fail?
2: That's a good question. I'd say the things you want to focus on the most are four things. Number one, making it abundantly clear what you're offering and doing it quickly, because if people are confused about what we're even talking about here, they're gonna get impatient. So number one, clarity of what you're offering. Number two, who are you? That's gonna be their second question. Who are you that I should trust you to be able to solve this problem for me? Number three is what I call, why can't I live without it? Which is a heightened way of saying, what problem does this solve for me? But it can't just be, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have this problem? It would be, how will you sleep tonight if you don't take action to solving this problem with my solution? And then the fourth one is a time frame. Something that's so simple but gets overlooked a lot. It's like, when can I expect results? That's an open loop that somebody will bring to the proposition. And if they don't understand the promise is, then a week I'll see results or maybe it's a year. Whatever it is, you got to be very clear about it and explain why that time frame and help them believe that it's possible.
1: Kevin, we really appreciate the time you spent with us today. I know you're on a tight schedule and in high demand. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that our listeners are going to want to follow up and, and find out more about what's behind the secret code of copywriting. How can they find out more with you?
2: copychief.com is the place to go that's my site where my membership is and we have a blog you can find both my podcasts there and if you like what we talked about here today you'll get a whole ton of it more for free over there at CopyChief.
1: Now, remember you have a 60 second sales hook also available is that right
2: yes they can also download the book for free
1: right there on the website again thank you so much for joining us today we've had a wonderful time craig shy i enjoyed it man We've had the pleasure of speaking with Kevin Rogers, owner and lead of Copy Chief. You can learn more about Kevin and Copy Chief, as well as links to his blog, videos, and a free copy of his Amazon best selling book, 60 Second Sales Hook, on our show notes at businessownersradio.com. And in between episodes, you might consider a time management hack that Shy and I use while driving or hitting the trails. Listen to the latest business books on Audible. It's a great way to manage your time while continually adding to your business knowledge. Business Owners Radio and Audible.com have teamed up to offer you a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. Choose from over 180,000 titles for your mobile device. Just look for the Audible 30-Day Free Trial logo on our show notes at businessownersradio.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback.